You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. The scripture reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, verses 10 to 16. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. This is the word of the Lord for our church, and it is given for our good. Well, thank you so much, Terry. Let's pray before we spend the next couple of minutes reflecting on this passage. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we've come to that time where we so desperately know that our hearts and our inmost beings need to hear your voice. We need to hear a word from you so that we might know what you've called us to be and we might know your great love for us. So by the power of your spirit, would you speak now through your humble servant? We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, one of the greatest ironies for me of the COVID-19 lockdown was the fact that one of Netflix's greatest shows during our lockdown season was their documentary, The Last Dance. I found this tremendously ironic, not because this was a poor documentary, not because the documentary mocked lockdowns in any way. I found it ironic because Netflix found a way to get nearly 25 million homes to watch a documentary about the incomparable ambition and incomparable drive of Michael Jordan as he took the Chicago Bulls to one more championship. The documentary was excellent. I couldn't stop watching it. But each episode ultimately left you marveling at the ambition and the work ethic of Michael Jordan, his desire to push harder than anyone else, his ability to stay focused on the goal, to never look back, to never look down, to push through all adversity. And I found it ironic as I, I'm sure like many of you, sat on the couch probably eating unhealthy snacks, switching to pants only with elastic waistbands because of gaining weight. I was captivated and enthralled by a show that was all about ambition during a season when I was told what I was called to do to love my country and serve my neighbor was to stay inside and to do nothing. 
I couldn't stop watching a show about a man who has pursuing greatness during a season in my life where my ambition was cut off, where I felt as though I had lost some of my ambition. I think for most of us, lockdown season has ultimately been a season in which we felt ambition lost. Sure, we started with some drive. We tried to pivot our businesses. We thought of new ways of making money. We put out tons of content. We tried to grow our business through unique streams, unique revenues. But then schools closed. Laws changed. There were moving goalposts about the reopening And oh, those press conferences, those Ontario press conferences where we sat on the edge of our seat wondering what next week is going to look like for us, next month is going to look like for us. You could feel it in our city. There has been a collective loss of ambition for a season. And here we are some 15 months later after lockdown, and that loss of ambition is being seen in the fact that clothing retail stores had massive lineups because people don't fit into any of their clothing anymore. Workplaces are trying to figure out what the new norm is going to look like. And as we work towards this new norm, we know our ambition is going to need to fire up again. We're going to need to start striving again towards that pursuit we had prior to many of these lockdowns. We're all going to strive after something. We're all going to be ambitious towards something. But the question this passage leaves us is, what will we be ambitious towards? Professional advancement, financial success, taking control over our lives, our health, our weight, providing for our children an enjoyable and successful life, finding ways to gain wonderful life experiences. What will we strive towards? What will we be ambitious towards as Ontario begins to reopen? This passage is telling us, it's telling me, it's telling you to strive for what matters, to be ambitious towards what will last. Be ambitious towards what will last. Now, what is that going to look like? How are we going to be ambitious towards what lasts? Well, the Apostle Paul in this passage is going to tell us that if we want to live a life that is ambitious towards what matters, we need to just stop looking down. We need to stop looking back. And we need to look ahead. Don't look down. Don't look back. But look ahead. How are we going to be ambitious for what matters? First, Paul says, don't look down. Now, where does he say say that? Paul is clearly in this passage picking up an extended argument that came a couple chapters uh, or a couple verses earlier. An argument that we looked at last week. Paul had put forth his Jewish resume, his Jewish credentials, which helped him stand apart as a Jewish teacher and rabbi. And he said that as he came to know Jesus Christ, all of those previous accomplishments were worthless, that there's nothing better than being found simply knowing Christ, following and obeying Jesus Christ, being united to him on the same team with the resurrected Christ. That's all that matters. But this high view Paul has attained, he doesn't want his audience in Philippi to believe that he somehow has come to some spiritual perfection now that he knows Christ and has been found united to Christ, that this somehow equals some spiritual perfection where he can kick up his feet. What does he say in verses 12 
through 13. Not that I have already obtained this or I am already made perfect. He hasn't come to that place where he perfectly resembles the resurrected life of Jesus inside his body now. Verse 13, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Paul is saying, I have, I'm not done. I'm not at the top. And his instructions to the church at Philippi first, or if you want to be ambitious towards what matters, you can't look down. Stop looking down. What Paul is saying is this, that self-satisfaction is the enemy of all spiritual progress. Self-satisfaction is the enemy of all spiritual progress. If your goal is to be ambitious towards what matters, this ambition has got to be a unity with the resurrected Jesus, that your life reflects his life, that your purpose reflects his purpose. And if that is your ambition, there must be a holy discontentment, a certain repulsion by the the good enough attitude that is so prevalent in our world. This is what must happen if you want to be ambitious towards what matters. Now, why would Paul say that? Because Paul knows nothing will jeopardize the whole pursuit of being found in Jesus, being united with Jesus, having common cause with Jesus, than some kind of good enough attitude, thinking you've arrived, thinking you have attained enough. Paul is saying, if your goal is Christ in you, the story of Jesus lived out through your life, there is always going to be more work to do. Don't look down. One of my favorite genres of YouTube videos is people who celebrate too early. Generally, it's in sports, but it's in all kinds of different topics. They're painful. My favorite one is one of those in-between inning entertainments at the Atlanta Braves game, the baseball game. And there's a race where someone from the stands runs along the outside of the outfield wall from, from left field to right field. And they're given a massive head start, but they race against a professional sprinter. And there was a young man who ran at one of the Atlanta games, and he is off to a great start. He's quite fast, and he thinks that they gave him too big of a head start. He thinks he's going to easily win. He starts pumping his hands in the air and trying to encourage the crowd to cheer for him. And though he's only maybe two meters from the finish line, he's overtaken by the sprinter. And not only is he overtaken, but in his panic, he trips over his own feet, falls down, and doesn't even finish the race. Look, this is the same thing that happens in any industry. If you're a first chair violin, you, you have your eye on the fact that second chair is coming. If your business is at the top of an industry, you are very aware that it won't stay there forever if you do not continue to innovate and work harder. You must be motivated by a vision for greatness, a, a vision for attaining uh, something closer to perfection if you are going to remain faithful in your pursuits. And Paul is saying to you and to me, if you want to be ambitious towards what matters, if you want to be ambitious towards living a life that lives out the resurrected power of Jesus into our world, you can't for a second kid yourself in believing that you've arrived. Maturity longs for mastery, not mediocrity. If it feels as though you've arrived, if you feel confident as though you've made it as a Christian, Paul is saying your eyes are not fixed on Jesus. You're probably fixed on your sisters and brothers in Christ that you feel you're doing better than. And it won't last long. You won't finish the race if that's who you're staring at. You want to be ambitious for what matters? Don't look down. But next, if you want to be ambitious for what matters, Paul says, don't look back. 
He says it so clearly in verse 13. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward to what lies ahead. Now, what does Paul mean? I think Paul is saying that there is a certain type of spiritual amnesia that is necessary for any Christian who wants to mature, who wants to grow. We can't so dwell on the past that the past begins to overwhelm us and control our identity, our self-conception of how we live out in the world. This includes negative wrongs that have been done to us, our wrongs that we have committed. But this also includes past spiritual highs, those moments in university where you felt so close to God or that time when you first understood the gospel and you felt uh, uh, so incredibly wrapped up in and united with Jesus. We can't be so focused on those things in the past that we're unable to move forward. Now, I must say, when Paul tells us that we need to forget what lies behind, we need to not look back, he's not saying you need to give up on counseling and the ways that counseling is trying to help you deal with past trauma or past pains or even past sins, the way that counseling is helping you deal with patterns in your life that hurt others and hurt yourself. These are all good and noble pursuits. There's something so important in the Christian life about learning from the past and restoring relationships as you move forward. That's part of what repentance is. But like a sprinter turning her head in the middle of a race, any sort of loss of focus could result in not finishing the race, deviating off course or even tripping or falling or being overtaken by the competition. Paul is saying we have to have an obsession with ensuring that our focus is straight ahead and not turning back. There's a certain sort of holy editing that we have to do when we find ourselves constantly remembering past sins that we've done, constantly plagued by those, or remembering past experiences that we had, that mission trip or that time we shared the gospel with someone where we felt so confident we must be close to and part of the family of Jesus. You see, the Apostle Paul knows that the only way to actually deal with past wrongs you've done or even wrongs done to you, and the only way to actually uh, strive towards greater experiences than those ones you've had in the past is to keep your focus on Jesus, the one who awaits in heaven with resurrection power, which will heal all the wrongs done to you and provide for you a greater spiritual experience than you could ever dream. It's wild to think that these words come from the Apostle Paul. Think of what it means for him. He was part of a movement that persecuted the church. He even signed off on the killing of the first members of the Christian community. As Paul preached, there's a good chance he saw widows and fatherless children who had lost their parent or their, their spouse because of the, his movement, his zealous movement to, to purify Judaism. He never shies away and he's never embarrassed about his past. But he also doesn't dwell on it. It's not his identity. His identity is being wrapped up with what Jesus Christ is doing now in the world, what Jesus will do in the future. But this is also the same Paul who had an unbelievable spiritual experience. God, Jesus himself revealed himself clearly to Paul. The resurrected and ascended Jesus shined like a bright light on Paul, to Paul, blinding him. Paul heard his voice. And Paul also doesn't dwell on that experience, doesn't constantly draw upon that experience from the good old days, but he focuses on the present task in front of him and the future goal to which he's striving. So what defines you more? Let me ask your past sins or your past spiritual highs. 
You see, one of the things that's happened to me during these COVID-19 lockdowns is I became so, so discouraged dwelling on the past good old days. And then I became discouraged about how poorly I felt I was doing spiritually, that I felt it hard to pray, hard to enjoy reading my Bible. We are in a season of something of a reset, and I couldn't think of a better passage for us. Be present now. There is work to do. Work out your calling. So there's a certain perspective that's appropriate for the Christian life, and that is a perspective of not looking back. And by that, Paul means not obsessing over those things that happened in the past. So if you want to be ambitious for what matters, don't look down, don't look back. But Paul says you need to look ahead. Verse 13, straining forward for what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is how to be ambitious for what matters. Set your mind and your eyes on that finish line, on the prize. Paul can write this because he knows that there is not a Christian who doesn't have a glorious future awaiting him, awaiting her. There's more glory to come. There is more glory than a large bank account, more glory than professional advancement, more glory than experiencing all the pleasures of this earth. And it's going to come at the end of the race when we're united with the resurrected Jesus, when we have access fully to his medicine, to his power uh, to renew and to fix all things. This promise that God is going to come again into our world and mend all that's ripped, repair that which is broken, restore that which has been destroyed. And Paul is saying, fix your eyes fully on this Jesus who sits there ready to work and even now is beginning the project. He will fix all things. And in fact, he, as you set your eyes on him, is participating in and experiencing a restored human body a taste of the world to come for you to see this. He has received his prize. This is your prize as well. Set your eyes on him. Push on, push forward until that new creation is fully and finally unveiled for every eye to see. Now, Paul doesn't mean you should be so spiritually concerned, so focused on the future that you're not present in this real world. He's not calling you to move to a monastery and to just pray and to hide from the troubles of this world. Paul is calling you to take on this vision in the midst of all the struggles and troubles you have now, whether you're a student in class, whether you're a son trying to be faithful to your parents, a daughter trying to care for aging parents, whether you're changing diapers or changing public policies, whether you're sharing the gospel with a coworker or sharing a meal with someone in need. Paul is saying this, hold on, press on, strive, give everything you've got. For this relationship with Jesus, give your best efforts to move towards this kingdom, which is now in heaven and will be fully and finally experienced one day on earth. So where do you feel right now you are in your walk with Jesus? Do you feel like you're having a great experience of knowing Jesus? We have before us something of a reset. A chance for us to reevaluate our priorities and to make sure we are looking ahead, fully trying to live out the life that Christ has called us to live. You may have felt like you've fallen behind these past couple of months. You may have felt as though you lost your confidence in your identity as a Christian. Don't look down. Don't look back. As you take on all the tasks God has put on your plate at this time, fix your eyes firmly on the resurrected Jesus. Throw back your head and run the race. Run with all your strength. Let me conclude with leaving you with uh, an illustration to help you understand what I think Paul is calling us towards. The Tour de France is starting at the end of this month. It's one of the greatest bicycle races, probably the greatest bike race there is. 
And you may or may not know, but 20 some odd teams are going to compete and there'll be eight riders on each particular team. But at the end of the day, each team has one rider that they hope will win in the end. The goal is to deliver that one rider to the end. And when that rider wins, though he is the winner of the Tour de France, the whole team celebrates because the whole team has won. Paul is telling us this, that when we trust in Jesus, when we say we're loyal to Jesus, we follow Jesus, when we take on the jersey of Jesus in baptism, we are associated with and become a part of his team in a very real way. And what Paul is saying is that we are in a race. And as we pedal and pedal and pedal, we realize the finish line that we have no hope of winning this race, that we will be first place. But as we struggle through this race, we have a unique confidence. Someone on our team, Jesus of Nazareth, has gone before us. He has finished the race. He has already stood at the podium. He has received his trophy. He is already celebrating. So as we bike now, we're not biking to earn the trophy. We're biking just to go to the place where we celebrate with him. The prize is secured. We're just going to the finish line so that he can hand the trophy to us, that we can experience and participate in the fruits of his victory together. This is how Paul wants us to conduct ourselves. Don't, don't strive and pedal to try to earn some, something in your relationship with Jesus to somehow earn a trophy so that you know you're on God's team. No, but also don't give up. Don't stop riding. Press on to that finish line for there's no mystery what awaits you. The resurrected Jesus sits there embodied in his prize, a body that will never experience death again. And when you arrive, you will share in and experience the power of that resurrection in your body as well. Our ambition isn't to earn the prize. The prize has already been won by Christ, but our ambition is to be with the one who will share all the benefits of the prize with us. Keep striving. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Christchurch Toronto podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ChristChurchToronto.ca or email us at info at ChristChurchToronto.ca.